Today is Thursday, October 12th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The GOP have nominated a new Speaker of the House. As the war continues in Israel, we'll have those top stories and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. Email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We would love to hear from you. We're so glad you're here as we're going through the news of the cray, as we call it, each and every weekday morning, bright and early. Joining me on this Friday, Junior edition of the podcast, Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell. Gentlemen, how's it going? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's uh, It's been a very, very crazy, crazy week. week. Flying by. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It I, all the days have kind of run together. So if you know what day it is, send us an email because yeah. we don't we don't we know what no day idea. it is anymore. No, <laughs> no. I mean, we, we're kind of on standby around the clock looking you know, where we can get coverage in. And Chris's team in Jerusalem for CBN is doing amazing coverage. And we're all over that as well. A lot going on. And then we're starting to see now other stories creep up. As I mentioned, the GOP looking at a new speaker. We'll get into the details on that. But the heavy focus today and for the next few days will be Israel. And we have a lot to cover on the pod. On that front, you guys have a focus story on a social media warning. Yeah, it's crazy to think that in the the age we live in now, you have to think about social media. So it's a warning to Israeli parents about content their kids might see. So Mm. yeah, we'll get into the details there in a bit. Yeah, and Chris Mitchell... CBN Middle East Bureau Chief in Jerusalem. He had a gut-wrenching conversation with the sister of an IDF soldier who's among the missing, possibly a hostage in Gaza. And so that conversation is one you will not want to miss. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. 360,000 reserves have been called up by Israel for active duty Yesterday, Israeli civilians in northern Israel were told to barricade in their homes and turn off all the lights. There were reports that a possible breach of the northern border had been made. The IDF later said it was a false alarm. It was a mistake. There was no such intrusion. They said it was a human error mistake, not a cyber attack. The death toll so far, at least 1,200 Israelis have been killed. 160 IDF soldiers have been killed. President Biden confirmed at least 22 Americans were killed by Hamas. At least 20 Americans are missing. Um, Ages 19 to 66 for four Americans who were confirmed missing. We know their identities. SEAL Team 6 is on standby to help with the hostage effort when the ground campaign gets underway. The United States also deployed an aircraft carrier to the region as a form of deterrence. The USS Gerald R. Ford Carrier Strike Groups, now in the eastern Mediterranean, and a U.S. delivery of weapons has made its way to Israel as they look to help those hostages who are in Gaza, a 25-mile strip of land between Israel um, and the Mediterranean Sea. Two million people live there. And I wanted to mention briefly, obviously the music ran out on me too long of an update there, but House Republicans did vote behind closed doors to select Representative Steve Scalise of Louisiana as their nominee for speaker. It's still unclear if he's going to get the votes needed to win following McCarthy's sudden ouster 
Jim Jordan has expressed his support for Scalise. Jordan was another name being considered for that position. Now he's throwing his support behind Scalise. So we'll have the updates on that as well, including all of our uh, Israel updates. But guys, the major story continues to be what's unfolding in Israel as things are changing rapidly. But the one thing that remains constant are these stories that we're going to keep probably hearing more and more of as they be we become aware of them. But the human tragedy that has unfolded here is it's beyond comprehension. Yeah, it's beyond comprehension and it doesn't ever get any better. The stories get worse and worse because I think the reality is setting in more and more as time is going on here of what is being discovered in these cities, in these towns, the total depravity, which we've talked about on the show this week. Um, you almost can't imagine these things that come more out of a horror movie that that seems fictional. And yet these are real events that people are forced to endure. And it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, no, it's, it is sad. And it's also, it's difficult to, to see some of the reaction from celebrities, from the media, um, the way that all of this stuff is being framed, as we've talked about on the podcast throughout the week is, is in addition to seeing the horror that's unfolding on the ground, you also have to, as an American realize, I, I don't even know if I can trust the content that I'm seeing from the media that I'm looking at uh, because you don't know how it's going to be skewed. Right. So that's, that's another layer, obviously not, not a major thing for us as, as you know, in comparison to the, the horror that people are facing over in Israel, but still something to consider that makes it difficult to really understand what's happening. Yeah, and, and you talk about way, the way some of this is being framed. We talked about the protests when you when you see some of these pro-Palestinian protesters. And it's like, there's times for this, you know, there's maybe a conversation to be had because of the tough conditions there and the reasons for that. But what we saw unfold over the weekend, as President Biden accurately said, there is no excuse. There is no justification for that whatsoever. And some of these reactions... I'm honestly shocked at, even if you're a supporter of the Palestinian cause, you just would have to think common sense would say now's not the time to be doubling down on that. And when I saw particularly, I think it was Black Lives Matter Chicago, the chapter there, mm -hmm. they tweeted out a, a picture graphic of somebody paragliding in and it's like free Palestine, we stand with Palestine. Now, that's what Hamas terrorists did to get over the fence. They used these paragliders and then came down on the other side and then went in and murdered civilians and children and women and babies and all kinds of unspeakable atrocities like we've been covering all week. How do you post that? How, yeah. how do you not how do you post that and not realize it's co-signing pure evil? I it's be, it's beyond comprehension. Like like I said, I can't even understand that. I can't even I'm even trying to give you the possible olive branch of, I can understand that's your side, you know, whatever. And then these are the extremists. But that tweet, doing things like that, sure seems like you're saying, yep, that violence was just what the doctor ordered. It's despicable. Yeah. Well, it, it's... <laughs> It's like this idea of saying, well, you know, these bad things happened to them, but they kind of deserved it, right? Yeah. I mean, like that's what this, and some of them are doing that overtly by not using the word terrorism or yeah. terrorist or sanitizing. I think there's also a very strange move. I mean, Biden got critiqued, let's just be honest, for not mentioning Iran once right. in his speech. Now, you can make the argument that, and I think they're, they're trying to 
handle this delicately that we don't know exactly what involvement they have. But at the end of the day, Iran is out there praising that this happened immediately, um, saying that it's okay, essentially, and that it was a great event. And so you have all these things going on and you're just, you're thinking, why can't we be very clear and decisive about what has happened, who might've been involved or dismissed it? And I I just like speak with clarity. It's, it's insane to me. Yeah. And I don't think, yeah. And I don't think it takes a rocket scientist guys to realize that Iran is in some way behind this with this level of sophistication, with the rhetoric, the ties, everything else. People speaking Farsi on the scene down there, reports of that. So I maybe you want to be careful and wait for complete confirmation, but I, I don't think it's a stretch at all for anyone to conclude that. It's one of those things that pretty much everybody knows. So being kind of extra careful on that front seems like a little bit of a silly exercise at this point. Yeah, no, I 100% into the earlier comments you were making. I, I actually saw this uh, yesterday, like late yesterday afternoon. It's This is an actor, a popular actor. He's in Netflix series. He's in uh, Stranger Things, uh, and he is Jewish, uh, and he posted this on his Instagram. It's a long post, so I'm just going to read a part of it. He said, I just reposted a beautiful picture of a young, innocent girl whose life was taken by Hamas at a music festival. I was met with comments reading, no one cares, free Palestine, and she deserves that. And every Israeli terrorist deserves that free Mm. Palestine. He said, I'm outraged by the justification and the celebration of the death of a young girl. How have people or have people lost their minds? Uh, This is one example of many posts, rallies and petitions being signed, attempting to justify the brutality against these innocent Israeli people. And it goes on from there. So it's interesting to see even some celebrities, though, uh, kind of reaching a breaking point, like they're done with this uh, this moral equivocation between yeah. the two. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Billy. Well, I just I there's no world in which, and I don't know how many people have to repeat this that any of these actions are justified in any world whatsoever. I mean, the you know we covered the mother who was speaking out on MSNBC about this, you know, talking about what had gone on, her children being taken out of their beds and held hostage, and this is not what you do in war. This is not how you fight war, right? This is there's no inkling of this at all where you could excuse it. And so I do think when Jesus talked about people's love growing cold, that's something that's happened yes. throughout history. But this level of frigidity, you know, I don't even know. It's it's um, unimaginable. It really is. And there's no better way to describe it than their love, their hearts growing cold right now. And probably social media has contributed a lot to that. It's softening the ground for that, for people's hearts to become hardened. You you dehumanize people just through criticisms over and over and over again and repeat it. And that's where we're going to go now in the focus story, because Israeli parents now are being warned about social media. So what's going on here? Yeah, so parents in Israel are actually being encouraged reportedly to remove apps like TikTok and Instagram from their children's devices because Hamas terrorists are threatening to release hostage videos on those social media platforms with the intention of reaching these young kids. Uh, the warning actually came from a former Israeli uh, speechwriter at the UN. Uh, she wrote on her social media, uh, dear parents, this is a message she said that a lot of schools in Israel are sending out. It says, dear parents, it's been brought to our attention that videos of hostages begging for their lives will soon be released. Please remove the TikTok and Instagram apps from your children's mobile devices uh, and several schools in Tel Aviv, Jerusalem have been sending out messages similar to that, according to the BBC, uh, because there is a likelihood that they're going to start releasing that 
Hamas is going to start releasing these videos of the 100 to 150 or so hostages that they've taken so far, start to release clips of them you know, begging for the torture to stop, begging to be released from captivity and to be sent back to their homes, to their children or to their parents if they're younger. Yeah, that is really, I mean, it makes sense because they have threatened to do that. And clearly they have shown that they have no um, regard for any shred of human decency or humanity at all when it comes to this. They're very happy about what they're doing and they're very willing to show it on social media as we reported some of the deaths were shown and streamed on social media to families specifically just to torture them mentally as they're physically torturing someone. So obviously social media goes beyond just Israel. Is the concern outside of Israel's borders as well? Yeah, so that's been interesting. It's something that's kind of had a, a ripple effect. So it started really in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem with schools there in those major cities in Israel sending out these messages or messages like this. Uh, but it has started to spread, even some in the UK uh, and also here at home. A school based in New Jersey uh, encouraged parents similarly to delete TikTok and Instagram from their kids' phones. An email that was sent out from the school administration says local psychologists have reached out to us and informed us that the Israeli government is urging parents to tell their children to delete Instagram and TikTok immediately, and they encourage them to do the same. And then even a school district uh, in New York issued a similar uh, warning to parents uh, saying that you need to, at, at the very least, be watching what your children are downloading, what they might be looking at, ask them questions about what they might be seeing on Instagram and on TikTok and Facebook, wherever, uh, and also discuss, quote, how to avoid opening these videos and what they should do if they encounter such media, because uh, I think even some schools in the U.S. are, are saying, to your point, uh, Dan, it's not a, a matter of if Hamas starts releasing this content, it's a matter of when it reaches Instagram and TikTok and then when it reaches the, the algorithm-based feeds of younger kids, because even as adults, it's something that we're not really able to face. I mean, who's able to watch one of those videos and not mm. be traumatized or triggered by what they're seeing? So imagine even more so the damage that it can do to a seven, eight, nine-year-old kid who's who's stumbling upon this on TikTok. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm 6,000 miles away from this, what's going on, and just watching and having to cover the news and seeing that I forced myself, as I said earlier in the week on this podcast, to watch some of the horror unfold because I wanted to get a true sense of the evil that we're witnessing here, not because I want to watch this stuff, but it weighs on your heart. And again, I'm nowhere near this violence and I'm just, I can feel it. You know, you feel heavy hearted for what is going on. And, you know, I'm 48 years old. I, I don't know what that does to a 14 year old or a 12 year old as my kids are. Uh, and, and even an 18 year old, what does that do to them? And it's, a huge concern, and again, especially because the people that are perpetrating this stuff don't care, and they want the world to see it. They think it's great what they're doing, which just only underscores how evil they really are. Yeah, you think about the developing young mind, right? And what what we all took in as kids and what kids today are taking in and the danger of this. I mean, my goodness, you, you talk about, you know, entertainment, video games, movies. There's a lot of studies and research showing the potential damage that those things inflict. But these are real videos. This is real life and the desensitization that goes on. 
um, from something like this. I know my wife is disturbed by a couple of the videos she's seen and she was even having dreams. You know, she's like, I'm having nightmares like this is just awful. And so I think, you know, for kids, it's an even bigger concern. And it's something that we have to weigh. This is a much broader conversation because this is just one example. The world is crazy and a lot of this is going to continue to be posted. So I feel like we'll be having this discussion during the next crisis probably. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I mean, look, it's and forget just crisis situation and war situation. Should you be on it at all, uh, especially as young people? And we've seen the studies about just in general what it does to young people just from the comparison game and all the other dangers that are out there that, that harm and stunt um, how kids grow up and how they mature. So uh, definitely good food for thought. Appreciate you bringing that one on the podcast today. Trey, we're going to move over to the main thing now. Sasha Arive, her sister, is an IDF soldier who's just 19 years old who was taken hostage by Hamas. Her sister's fate is unknown. There are many stories like this in Israel. As the people are saying over there now, this is personal for all Israelis. They either know someone directly or they know a friend who has a loved one or a child or a brother or a sister who has been killed or abducted. So this is very personal for all Israelis. And this is one of those very personal stories. And it gives you a window into just what they are dealing with over there right now. Chris Mitchell has the interview with Sasha on today's main thing. Sasha, thanks so much for being with us. Um, first of all, how are you? I am, maybe you don't see me crying, but I'm broken and devastated inside. I'm just trying to keep it together for my family, both parents and my uh, sister, and uh, to be strong and to believe and spread the hope that uh, she and uh, all the other hostages and missing people will come soon back home. Yeah. Tell us about Karina. Well, she's my baby sister. She's uh, 19 years old. Maybe you can call her a teenager now. But she, she is a child, she, she is very sweet and uh, she's very loving, she's very loyal first to her family where her first priority and then her friends, she really likes everyone, she likes to help. She, her habits are to, to decorate, you know, stickers to decorate her room, the, the beauty in the fashion, the cosmetics mm. and uh, she, she really wants to give, to give, to learn, to to, you know, to, to live, to live this life, to make the, the most of it. Last Saturday at 6.30, <clears throat> her base was overrun. She was on the Gaza border and Nahalot, that base. Tell us the communications that went on between you and Karina. So she, we were asleep at home and she called me first at 6 a.m., as you said. And uh, I could hear on the phone that something is wrong. It's not like uh, she's always calling to say hi and how was the day. Uh, I heard bombings and screaming and, uh, and people crying. And she told we are bombed. We're in the bomb shelter currently, all, all the girls, uh, that they could gather together. And uh, she told that uh, we should get uh, the news on TV to see that uh, uh, all the cities in the south of Israel are being bombed now. And uh, then she said there is a raid uh, on the base. She said the terrorists, they are here. We can hear them. They're shooting, not only bombing. It was parallel, the bombing and the shooting there when the terrorists came in the base. 
And uh, after that, uh, she also talked with my parents on the phone. I could hear uh, also this. She uh, called uh, mainly to say goodbye, that she loves us, and that she wants uh, us to keep alive, and me especially, to, to keep the parents uh, strong and uh, do, not, uh, do not sink in sorrow. Uh, then we went uh, on messaging a little bit on WhatsApp because she couldn't uh, talk anymore on the phone. They tried to be quiet, but, uh, you know, there were girls in panic. Uh, they wanted to hide so the terrorists won't find them. But, uh, but they did. They uh, were in the entry of the bomb shelter. And uh, that was uh, actually the last message. Uh, the, the terrorists, they are here. And uh, that was the last, uh, the last message of her in our uh, family WhatsApp group. What were the other messages that she ga she gave on WhatsApp? Uh, she that they, I love you. I'm scared. Uh, they are here. There is a, 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 they're abducting us. They're taking us. We can't reach anyone. We don't know what's happening. It's the end. Like we won't survive. Uh, like these were the the messages, and uh, my parents uh, wrote to her, uh, stay quiet, try to stay quiet. Uh, all the girls don't be in panic, hide. Uh, we were going to send someone. My parents called the police. Uh, it's the first thing that they could uh, think of, and uh, they tried to to send forces there, uh, you know. But uh, it was too late because it happened so fast. We it happened so fast. They they weren't prepared for it. It was uh, a planned attack. How are your parents doing? Uh, at the moment, they try uh, try to understand what's happening, to, to take ex action. Of course, they, they told her also that they, they love her, but they didn't imagine, uh, no one imagined that uh, it will be the last call, call for now. It's uh, the last uh, thing that we heard of her, that uh, she said goodbye. At least, uh, at least uh, we could uh, tell her that we love her, so she can uh, know that uh, even while she's uh, in this uh, situation, then now they are... Um, with, uh, we are on the fifth uh, day of the war, and every day that passes, they're just, they're just getting broken more and more to pieces. They're shattered, and I'm trying to hold some of them together, some of the pieces, but it's really hard for me too as well. And all the family are trying to support, but we're devastated. They cry all day. They, they want to, to believe. They want to have hope. They're praying, but... Uh, we, we have nothing else uh, to do. Uh, our hands are tied. This is a picture of Karina? Yes, this is a picture of my sister. I will bring it uh, near here. I want it to be, to be close to me. I brought it. This is her picture. The, just a random picture from the phone that uh, we printed and uh, put on our wall at home. And uh, she's uh, here. She's uh, maybe uh, 16 or 17 years old. Mm. This is her. Yeah. Tell us about the uh, octopus. Yes, I brought here a little friend, a little doll, uh, an octopus, as you can see. Uh, it is now sad and angry, and uh, it is a doll that sits uh, on her bed, uh, always. When she's at home and not at the army, uh, the octopus smiles. I will show you. She, she just flips the octopus. Okay. And now he smiles because she's home and she's happy because she's around her family and friends and yes. she's safe and she's not there afraid for her life. But then every time she goes back to the army, she needs to go back on duty, she flips it, she flips it back to the sad, angry version and it sits like there till she comes back and flips it again.
to the happy one. So is it like this until she comes back? Yes, it will stay like this uh, till she comes back because, uh, no, uh, it's symbolic. Maybe it is childish, but it is symbolic. We're sad, just like the octopus. The, the simple uh, feeling that we can describe is, you know, devastating and shattering all the high words. We're sad. We're just sad. Uh, we cannot smile. You said Karina was the eyes of the country. What was she telling you? Yes, my sister was uh, the term the eyes of the country on her duty in the military. And uh, the last uh, three months, she was telling us that, that there is going to be war. There is going to, if not war, there is going to happen something, uh, something bad is going to happen. Uh, things are not going to stay the same. They knew something. The girls who were uh, the, eye, the eyes of the country, they knew something. Of course, they couldn't tell us because it's their duty and, uh, you know, the mil military staff and the army. But, uh, but they felt and uh, they, were, uh, they were scared. They didn't know what's going to how to prepare for something. And they, I don't know if, uh, if someone knew, if the intelligence maybe knew or did something. Uh, maybe they didn't uh, just uh, didn't do anything. We don't know. I uh, really don't want to think it because mm. then uh, I will know that, sure, I was betrayed by my country. Mm. You're very strong, Sasha, and you're really standing up for your sister. Yes. Yeah. She's my only sister. She, she's my heart. You know, I love my parents, but she's at first place. Because she's my little sister, you know. She's, uh, she's for me. I was, the, I was the older one, and she was born for me. Maybe mm. for my parents either, but, but for me. So I will have someone in my life. So she's my heart. And I'm giving her all my life and soul and strength every day. And I'm sure she's strong, even they're trying to break her. And I, I believe, I believe she will come back to me. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Uh, I want to say uh, thank you to the world. Uh, a lot of people uh, try to reach me mm. on social media. They see my name, they see my sister's name. They're writing us. They find me on Facebook, on Instagram. The, the fact that I'm sitting here with you, you are willing to hear our story. I want to say thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for not being quiet. You know, it was said uh, back then at the World War II, the Holocaust, mm -hmm. that uh, the, the people that w were silent and didn't take action, they also were murderers in some, uh, in some way because mm -hmm. they didn't do anything. So yeah. thank you, the world and all the people who are, who are doing, who are taking action. At least we have maybe learned something for, from the history. You know, the mm -hmm. history repeats uh, itself, but... Uh, Maybe, maybe the humanity is not going back uh, like uh, as we may think. Maybe we will progress a little bit. All right, Chris, thanks so much for that interview there. And that's, I mean, she, her sister is 19 and in the IDF. And that's something you don't see around here as much. Well, really at all. Uh, it, over in Israel, you've got to serve. You have to do a couple years in the IDF. And usually when you're younger. And so when you're over there, I remember being on the front line and you had these IDF checkpoints and there were these teenage girls that were just being like normal teenage girls and taking selfies for Instagram or whatever the case might be. But then they've got a rifle strapped around their shoulder. You know, it's it's really wild. And so then you hear this and you hear a 19 year old teen girl being abducted and taken away. And it's just. Man, you just can hear it in, in her sister's voice there, just the pain that this is causing everybody. Yeah, it's 
You know, when you hear those stories, it takes something that you're watching on TV that's just a quote story, a news story, an article, whatever you're reading, and it turns it into something that's real. And you can really yeah. feel that emotion and that reality. And I think we, as we were talking about earlier in the show, we do need that. We need, we need that reminder that people are really going through this right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's a good reminder to pray. Yeah. Absolutely. hundred percent. All right. Well, we're running low on time here for this episode. So we're going to get to our one last thing. Yeah. We're going to look at Psalm 112 verses six and seven. It says, surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. I think what a, what a timely reminder for us this week. Yeah, absolutely. And it is tough to have that eternal perspective sometimes that even in in the short run, if it looks bad, in the long run, trust the Lord and he will work all things together for good. Amen. Absolutely. All right. That's a good spot to leave it here on the podcast today on this Friday Junior edition of the podcast. As always, we are glad you're here. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. We'll see you then.